Hi there, uh, this is Matthew Weeks. Welcome back to another episode of Work in Programming. Uh, today I have my good friend Alex Hess. We work together at Tribal Scale, and he has since gone off to work on something new, and I am excited to kind of hear more about that, how he got started, and his thoughts on accessibility and how design can play into, uh, I think, a better future for everyone. So. Woohoo! Hey guys, I'm Alexander Hess, and thank you, Matthew, for having me here. So uh, I would be happy to answer all your questions and also talk about design, innovation, maybe I don't know. We'll see and accessibility and other stuff. Yeah. So yeah, let's get started. Awesome. So um, I, I know you from from Tribal Scale. We worked together for about a year. Oh, um, yeah, even even more. Even more, yeah. Yeah, and a half. Yeah. So I mean, it was it was a long time, but. Uh, I've always kind of been interested because um, you have like a you seem like you probably have a pretty interesting background. You're you're very knowledgeable about a variety of different things from like animations to yeah. just static UI UX design, front end development, front end development as well, <laughs> which I was actually impressed by. I didn't realize that to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, I guess like first question I always kind of ask is like how did you get your start in design did you go to school what kind of route did you take and um, what 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 did you find early on that was really important to you so yeah uh, I I would say that I'm generalist and um, being a generalist for me is something amazing because I'm interested in so many things um, just in anything psychology design marketing development uh, brand management, strategy, just anything, actually. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in everything. But of course, I decided to just develop my skills mostly in design mm -hmm. because this is where I can change, in my opinion, this is where I can change the world. Yeah. And my, um, I would say that my interest in design started when I was really young. So I had, um, I had lots of toys, but at the same time, uh, I wanted to create my own toys. Oh, okay. So yeah, I started creating them. I was yeah. like kind of engineer. Yeah. It's not about design, but at the same time, a little bit of design, like product design, industrial design. Mm -hmm. So um, I did a lot of stuff. Actually, I started drawing sketches and everything like that when I was a child. Uh, then I realized that actually, yeah, actually I'm from Belarus. And I realized that probably as an engineer, you won't make so much money. Mm. So in that time, most most people started doing money doing development so that's why i started growing my skills in html and css mm -hmm. and i wanted to become a developer so uh, i went to the university but but my score wasn't enough to become a developer mm. so i started learning economics and yep. i got my uh, master degree in economics in belarusian state university that was awesome and while um, studying, I actually started learning more about design. At mm -hmm. that time, there were no difference between UX, UI, interaction design, motion design. Everything mm -hmm. was web design. And yeah. that's it. So I started doing uh, websites. Uh, from scratch, it means that um, the guy has an idea. And mm -hmm. then you create a design for it. Then you develop it, test it, and launch. So how um, how did you meet these people when you first started designing things? So you were doing this kind of like a freelance style. Yeah, it, it was absolutely freelance because I was yeah. studying in the university and uh, I decided 
it would be great to start making money. Yeah, and the easiest <laughs> way is just just to do uh, freelance. Yeah. So I had a friend, and he had some other friends who want who wanted to have a website. Yeah. At that time, everyone wanted to have a website. Even now. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like I got started freelancing as well, and like I remember my first client was I was in a, like, I was working part time as a mover. Oh, for yeah. uh, for a temp agency, and one of the guys uh, that we moved his moved him out of his house um, randomly had like a, a web like some sort of old comp- old school like web company. And he's like, yeah. I need somebody to help me innovate, and so he had me like redesign and, and kind of like build his website fresh in, in WordPress, yeah. I guess. And uh, yeah, like I remember for me that's like always like an interesting story, like how you get your first client and then oh you yeah, know, I guess you probably knew a lot of people that were kind of getting into business as well, like your friends. Yeah, mostly it's from to, friends and yeah. family. Yeah. Mostly first project comes from friends and family. Uh, so my very first project was about uh, front-end development. And I mm. wasn't the best in front-end. I knew HTML and CSS. I could do some stuff. But at that time, there were no... Actually, it was 2008. Mm-hmm. At that time, there were no Stack Overflow where you can ask questions and you will get answers pretty easy. Yeah. So um, you asked some questions on forums, but it was hard to find answer. Yeah. So you learn a lot from books and other websites. Hmm. Uh, that was awesome. But I realized that I wasn't interested so much in front-end development. Hmm. And I didn't know JavaScript at that time. Right. Which is crucial, in my opinion, if you want to become a great front-end developer. If you want to get to like the interactive side of things, exactly. and start doing like server-side yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's true. I realize that I'm more interested in understanding how how the website should be structured, what's the information architecture, which should be um, where is like what to put into the navigation, mm-hmm. how to create a great logo, um, all all this stuff. Yes. Yeah. So. I switched to design mostly and my friend at that time um, had another friend who sold metal stuff, talking about metal, I don't know, like metal constructions and everything like that and he didn't have a website so Mm -hmm. he asked my friend to build a website and that my friend asked me to design it. So I designed that and now I would say it, it was horrible. Right. Okay. But for that target audience, it was perfect. Right. What's interesting, uh, a year after that, I decided to redesign that website. Just It was just my initiative. No one asked me to do that. It was my initiatives, uh, initiative. I wanted to make it responsive. Mm-hmm. So I did that because it was a huge trend at that time. It was 2010. Um, and I did it. At that time, it wasn't responsive, I would say. It was like I had three breakpoints mm-hmm. for tablets and for mobile phones. Okay. So I did that and you know what's interesting? In Google this website become just jumped to the first position. Oh okay. Is and that it, because they were heavily relying on like whether something was responsive or not? Exactly, to... yeah. It, okay. it, because it was it wasn't like mobile first, but mm-hmm. it was designed for mobile as well. Yeah. So because of that it jumped to the first position and it brought so much money to this uh, guy, hmm. he was happy to pay me, and I got my one hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine that for the whole website? Web, website. Yeah, 
for the design for the whole website, I received $100. And it was, at that time, it was wow. Yeah. Because every salary in Belarus was around $200 probably. And I did it by doing what I really love, I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. So I was happy. Yeah. Then, then of course, I had more projects and uh, I started doing my own website, the website for my brother, mm -hmm. uh, into e-commerce. And actually, even now, this website is pretty good. It's yeah. pretty good for e-commerce. Right. Um, my UI skills at that time were really horrible, I would say. Okay. But really good UX. Right. So what's the difference there then um, between UI, UX, just for um, people listening? So yeah, um, user experience is is actually about what we experience in our life. Mm -hmm. This is user experience. Everything. When you open the door, push or pull, this is your user experience. Mm -hmm. uh, when you, I don't know, buy coffee in Starbucks, just go to the store, buy mm -hmm. coffee, this is your user experience. Yeah. Uh, when If you will bring it to the digital world, mm -hmm. this is when you open the website, and you see the logo, you see the hero image, you see the navigation, and you understand what this website is about. Mm -hmm. This is also your user experience. Right. And so how you navigate, how you get around, exactly. like finding the thing you want. This is what you feel when you interact with, uh, with anything. Yeah. And this is about user experience. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, the best user experience is seamless experience. When mm -hmm. you go somewhere, you understand what it's about. Actually, no. When you have a problem, or you, you want to be entertained, mm -hmm. you go somewhere, you find the solution for this problem, yeah. and this product, whether it's digital or not, solves this problem. Mm -hmm. This is about user experience. And it shouldn't be like beautiful or, I don't know. <sighs> like I guess it an shows, example yeah. could be like brutalist design where yeah. everything is just like super barren. Yeah, like exactly. I don't like, for example, br brutal design, br yeah. brutalism uh, in web design. Uh, but for some people, for some target audience, this is amazing. Mm. And if they have a great experience interacting with this website, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And then we switch to UI, where user interface is all about how... Uh, user interface is how it looks, most people think. But in my opinion, user interface includes user experience as well. Interesting. Okay. Not UI included into the UX, but UX included into UI. Because when we are talking about user interface, uh, we are talking about usability and also ergonomics. Mm -hmm. uh, if you will go, for example, if you will sit into your car and you will take a look at the dashboard, mm -hmm. this is user interface. Okay. And if you will take a look at the website, this is your user interface. And how easy to catch this information this is about user interface okay so then if i'm just correct me if i'm wrong I'm kind of trying to understand here so so user experience in this case would be like how you interact with things or like how you experience the site yeah um and then user interface is so i always thought that user what interface was more in terms of like the design like how pretty things are animation yeah. stuff like that it's not only about how pretty is the mm -hmm. for example if you'll take a look at spotify website right now mm -hmm. uh, can you say that it's beautiful i think it's beautiful yeah it's uh, very minimalistic simple. yeah yeah but it can be more beautiful if you'll add some uh, motion design into it you will right. add some sound waves when the music is playing yeah uh, or maybe 
all the buttons will be with light shadows, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. So most people think that this is UI, but it's not. The UI is everything that you see on the screen uh -huh. is UI. Everything that okay. you can touch and interact with. Right. This is user interface. Yeah. This is interface. So if I'm going through the navigation, yeah. how much of that is user interface and how much is that is user experience? User experience, in terms of user experience, it's mostly about information architecture. So okay. the elements, the items that you have in your nav, yeah. this is what items should you have in your nav. Mm. This is about user experience. How they will look like and where they will be on the website, mm. this is UI. Okay. Oh, I see. Okay. So it's the information architecture is largely like the UX, right? Like yes. That's what you are looking for on the web. So if we went to like... 1990s websites where it's just like a bunch of hypertext links yeah. and unstyled text. That would be like your base level user experience. And base level user interface. Yes. And then I guess the user interface beyond that is, is making that more useful in exactly. terms of like having a toolbar or a it's, navigation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bar. That's true. That's exactly what I'm talking about. That, for example, when you have hyperlinks, mm -hmm. this, is also, this is user ex experience. Right. Uh, they position in one particular order. Mm -hmm. This is user experience. Okay. And this is still basic UI. Mm -hmm. But once you will put this navigation into the top right corner, mm -hmm. this is UI. Okay. Now when we put all these elements on the screen in the right position, this is UI. I see what you mean. Yeah, that, that makes a lot more sense. That makes it a lot more clear because it's kind of like UI begins where user experience kind of... Well, you, you, UI includes user experience. Yeah. But... Beyond that, like wherever user experience kind of ends, UI kind of takes over, and that's that's yeah. a lot more in that realm. So there's a lot more. Yeah, everything like do. included into everything. Yeah. Most people think that user interface is mostly about typography, colors, mm -hmm. and uh, layout, but actually it includes like everything that you see on the screen is interface, mm -hmm. and when you see this interface, this is user interface. And would it be useful, or do you find it as a designer useful to to break down UI into those those components? So for instance, like for me as a developer, uh, typography is very important, layout oh, is sure. very important. For sure. And those are like their own individual uh, cases that I'm trying to account for. And then like, you know, if I can make those as simple as possible, then it's easier for me to work with it. Yeah. So. When you break down UI, would you break it down by those components, or would you? Is there a better way to break it down? Like, uh, yeah. In this case, I would say that atomic design is a really great principle. Okay, that's good to bring. Yeah. So yeah, uh, in my opinion, it it much easier to break all the components into the smallest parts, mm -hmm. and then to put them into like bigger parts, molecules, mm -hmm. and then to make organisms out of them. Mm -hmm. So I think that UI should be divided, yeah. then combined, mixed together into components, and then you put these components into like their places. Okay. So, so in that yeah. case, then layout is kind of implied at like the organism level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so for people listening, just in case you haven't heard of atomic uh, design, um, it basically it is you're breaking down your smallest components down to atoms, correct? Yep, atoms. And an atom would be like a button, icon, or even an icon or icon, button. Even button can be divided into two parts. Oh, okay. The background of the button and the text itself. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And then, it, oh, it okay. So typography is its own. A typography um, is its own component. I would say it's more about style. Mm -hmm. It's not atom at all. Okay, so you wouldn't make typography its own atom. 
No, no, no. You would imply it, like you'd kind of like yeah. use. So I'm, that's okay. So let, we'll get back to that in a minute. So actually. yeah, it's, it, it sounds complicated, but yeah. yeah uh, let's start okay, with yeah. this one. When we are talking about mobile app or um, website, uh, it would be great from UI perspective to create a style guide mm. where you will have all the typography, all the colors that we, you will use. And then you will start creating, having these typography and colors in mind, you will start creating atoms, mm -hmm. molecules, organisms, then templates, and then pages themselves. Okay. So we'll start with so the basic item of the UI probably will be, uh, yeah, like typography and colors, what you will have mm -hmm. on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. And so like an icon, a button, for instance, could yeah. be, maybe it's split down further, but it, it would be an atom that you yeah, might yeah. consume. The, the, an atom will be, will uh, an atom will be this button, for example, mm -hmm. that consists of typography yeah. and color. Right. Yeah, like this one. Okay. And then, um, and then, so from from atoms, we go up to molecules, yeah. where yeah. you're combining components. Say you had a tooltip. Yeah. And uh, that tooltip has a little detail in it, and then an icon that, like, a little fancy icon that makes it appear. Yeah, that's right. For example, uh, as an atom, you have an icon, and you have a link, and you have a card. Mm -hmm. Then, when you put this icon and word together, mm -hmm. this is molecule. Mm -hmm. Then you put these two guys inside of the card, this is organism. On mm -hmm. this card you can have image, and this image is also atom itself, but when you see the card that consists of image, icon, text, and then button, this mm -hmm. is organism. Okay. Then you yeah. put this card inside of the section where you have three cards mm -hmm. this is your like section this is your component and then this component you put on the website this is your page right and then templates are like, uh, like templates yeah, yeah template is actually this section that component that i told oh, about. okay yeah, yeah yeah that's that's exactly the template interesting okay and then you can yeah. create a page from these templates yeah. you have like several templates mm -hmm. here you have three cards in a row before that, you have image on the left, text on the right. Mm -hmm. Before that, you have another template, image on the right, text on the left. Mm -hmm. Then you bring them together, boom, you have a page. Cool, okay. Yeah, that's interesting because like from a development perspective, uh, we're actually, curr I, currently I'm working on a, on a UI library and we've tried to follow atomic design, but I think we might have potentially missed a component there. Um, basically, our atoms become anything that is like a single, kind of reusable piece yeah and then in a molecule ends up becoming like say the card where the card contains all the content that that's what we call a molecule it's like a couple of atoms put together okay and then for us the organism ends up becoming like i guess the way that we inter interpreted it was like more like a scientific kind of like okay well an organism is a living thing right so it has some sort of processes that yeah. it follows so wherever we're injecting like logic into the component, that's where we call it an organism. Okay. So like a row of cards would be an organism in our in our thing. Oh, I see. Um, and then I guess we just build organisms out of organisms, which 
maybe doesn't make sense. So which is template probably will be in your case. Right. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So then there there's difference. Like you can I, you can kind of break it down differently. Exactly. I guess exactly. I I'm not sure that there is a one rule that you need to follow mm -hmm. if you want to achieve this result. For example, mm -hmm. uh, what you just described totally makes sense. For example, your your atoms are this icon text and image and the card background, mm -hmm. these are all atoms, when you combine them together it's a molecule. Yeah. In my opinion this is already organism because it has a little bit more inside than, uh, than just molecule. It's two molecules because uh, you can for example take this image mm -hmm. with a card background and this will be molecule itself. Mm. Or you can take card without an image and this will be molecule itself. But when it's everything together, when um, several molecules are together, mm in this case it's organism okay and again this is just my opinion uh, yeah. on that uh, for, i would say that the system the ui design system should be effective first of all yeah like the if key is to make easy. it work with your team right? exactly yeah for example if you find this is much easier and better to follow mm -hmm. just do this okay yeah yeah i like that because like it's it's kind of becomes case dependent right yeah um you know Every team works differently together, and so, you know, it's great it's that... All, it's all about flexibility, actually. Yeah. If it's easier for you to build this way, for mm -hmm. sure, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, in my case, I would divide everything into parts, but um, I would even say that I always think not starting from atoms, but from the strategy in general. Mm -hmm. It means that the website can consist only of text, and that's it. You have only typography. Title, subtitle, description. That's like the base level. Another tale. How you'd consider a page at the beginning? No, no, no. This is, I'm talking about that sometimes the website can be complicated, consist of lots of organisms. Right. While sometimes I can use only one atom. Like the whole page yeah. will consist of small atoms. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That would be like the most basic case of like maybe a, temp, like a marketing site where you yeah, really yeah. want to focus on the content. Yeah, exactly. Because in my opinion, design is always about... Design is message, mm -hmm. in my opinion. What does it mean? That everyone, uh, uh, every time when you create anything, any design, mm -hmm. this is where you send message to your audience. Right. Whether it's you created airports, this is your message to people. Hey, we are like small pieces that you can put into your ears and listen to music. Right. Oh, yeah, okay. You know, yeah. This is my message. Yeah. Then when you create a website, you, you send the message, this website is about this. Mm. I want to bring you this one. So in my opinion, design is a message. And okay. the easiest way to bring this message is words. Mm -hmm. So that's why uh, I would, first of all, I would say that content is key. Mm -hmm. And yeah, start with content. I like that approach especially. And that's going to get into what we're going to talk about in a bit. Um, but because... The easiest way to convey content to a user is through text, yeah. especially if you're trying to convey that information to a user in an accessible way. Yeah. Where, so for instance, if they're using a screen reader or any sort of like usability device, um, almost 100% of the time, text is going to convey that message a lot better. And if you have images, you know, you're going to have to use the alt text to explain what those images are. And if you're using a lot of, I guess, CSS or design tricks to, yeah. to convey meaning to people or separation between different things, um, that confuses the, the, the screen reader. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, for example, yeah. when you create lots of carousels on the website, cards mm -hmm. and everything, and it's like 
why do you need all this stuff when you just want to bring the message that you sell, I don't know, microphones? Yeah. You sell microphones and you put lots of images of microphones, waves and everything. No, this looks beautiful for sure. Yeah. But the first thing the great designer should keep in mind is accessibility mm -hmm. and that the, the easiest way to bring accessibility to the website or mobile app is through text. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so before we get into that, because I really do want to cover the, yeah. the usability and accessibility stuff, because I think that that's a really interesting topic, and it's something that doesn't get covered nearly enough, especially yeah. in developer, like this is a developer-focused podcast for the most part. The, the aim is to create a resource for, for anybody entering tech, um, but um, a lot of the early listeners, I imagine, are going to be developers that Amazing. are kind of interested yeah. in that. So what I want to do is convince more red developers that they should know about design, they should know about product management. Oh, for sure. They should care about these things, right? It's yeah. not just about sitting down and writing code. And if you're going to blame your designer, you're just doing your job wrong. Exactly. Right? <laughs> and, and, and I think um, on the opposite side, yeah. uh, in my opinion, designers should know more about development as well. Absolutely, yeah. And what I'm talking about, uh, what I mean by that is... Uh, when you're designing things, you should keep in mind how it will it will be structured in terms of HTML, for example, mm -hmm. um, because it's really important to understand how the backend side works, mm -hmm. and you can create much better user experience when you know how works it works on the backend, mm -hmm. uh, rather than when you create a really great picture that it will be hard for developers to to build. And then it will be hard for screen readers to read. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Th that's one thing. And another one, it would be great for designers also know about different frameworks. Right. Because some frameworks work much faster than other. Mm. Or like pure JavaScript probably much faster than, um, no, actually not like React. but <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's definitely trade-offs in terms of like performance. I think yeah. that... Performance is really important nowadays yeah. mostly because of the speed. Yeah. It means that when you open the website or mobile app, not mobile app, actual website, when you open the website and when it loads like nine seconds, oh, no one's going to do that. No one will see that. If it takes longer than six seconds, I think like 83% of people drop off or something yeah, like exactly. that. Yeah, like, exactly. It, it, actually, according to the uh, last research, yeah. um, latest research, they have like 90% of people um, don't open the website if it loads more than three seconds. Yeah. And Which is, what is interesting yeah. in this case, I found that Amazon, for example, the Amazon homepage loads mm -hmm. less than one second. Which Can is amazing considering like, the amount of content they're putting yeah. in. All the images, all this stuff loads less than a second. It's wow. wow. That's and actually this really is impressive. really important. And it's really important from UX perspective, yeah. marketing perspective, business perspective, and user perspective. Because I'm looking for this one mm. and I found it immediately. Yeah. And like it's kind of funny because like early on like I think Amazon's way of getting customers at the beginning was to advertise a lot on Google AdWords. Yeah. And Google would always promote sites that have that level of accessibility and performance. Like if you go on like the top 4 sites in any Google search, they're going to have like a pretty much like a max level lighthouse score if you do like an audit on it. Right, yeah. And like you have to have that to be able to 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 mark like to be able to surface up like like you were saying, when you were performing your sites, like one of the reasons that they likely got up to the, that level is A, because you made them responsive, so they worked on any screen and they didn't break. 
and then B, you focus on content and they were static. So I guess, and C, they were static HTML, CSS. So they rendered very, very quickly, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. So, and it's really important for the, for designers to know how developers can bring these performance um, to the website. Yeah. And maybe in this case, designers will know how to design a little bit different way. Mm -hmm. So make this performance even better. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't really considered that. Like I... I mean, I guess like one of the main uh, main things to point out would be like massive hero images are preferably like you don't really want useless. Yeah, exactly. They're useless for everyone actually, even for users. Yeah. Yeah, they are beautiful. You go to the website and you see this hero image or even hero video. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, that's awesome. But I spent like a minute waiting. Okay, not minute. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I spent, for example, five seconds while it's loading. Mm-hmm. But why do I need? Because the message, the main message, is not in the image, but in the text inside of this hero image. Yeah. And this hero image, you can even remove that, and you will see that it performs the same way. Yeah, and it would it would almost like it kind of takes away from the content because people are going to be looking at the image. I mean, yeah. that's kind of like a preference thing. I, I think there's gen- genuine use cases for it. Most sites I see have it, so. Yeah. It must be useful in some way. Or... Because it looks beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And I would say it's better to always like provide user A-B tests. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in this case, you will understand if you need this hero image or not. Most people just put this hero image and they think, oh, yeah, it looks beautiful. Then people will love it. Yeah, they will love it. But maybe if you remove it, your, fi- your website will be faster. Mm-hmm. And it will perform and will bring you even more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no one does that. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Um, so with actually with A/B testing, so uh, well actually let's let's go back to, to finish up our uh, initial initial intro. Yeah, sure. Kind of start, I get sidetracked, but this is I think this is where the content comes from, right? It's just yeah. like talking about interesting things that like both of us care about. I'm sure other people are going to care about it as well. Oh sure. Uh, but yeah, so when you, so you were studying, so you were freelancing, you were studying economics, which is an interesting combination. Um, and then what happened from there? So you graduated with your master's degree. So yeah, I graduated with my master's degree in economics and I had some classes in psychology there and Mm -hmm. marketing, of course. So that's why, uh, I understand how, how to combine together users' needs and business goals. Mm. In my opinion, this is a perfect match because in this case, when you work in the company or you create anything for anyone, mm-hmm. you can bring some, you can bring money or followers to this website or mobile app mm. uh, while creating really great website or mobile app. It means that right. design works together with um, marketing side okay. uh, of the business. So yeah, one. Uh, when I graduated, I I went to the army. Yeah, I served oh, wow. in the army. That was interesting experience. <laughs> yeah. Because in Belarus, everyone, uh, every guy should go to the and serve in the army. Yeah. So I was there, and while being there, I didn't have a computer, of course, mm-hmm. but I had pen and paper. So I created lots of stuff there just using pen and paper. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, this is if you want to learn design like on the highest level, mm-hmm. just take pen and start drawing something. Create yeah. interfaces, uh, create strategy, start drawing logos or anything like that. It yeah. will, I'm not an artist, absolutely not. But I can create and I cre- can create images or uh, icons easily, mostly because I spend a lot of time just doing this while serving in the army. 
Yeah. Uh, then after the army, when I um, went back to the city, I started looking for a job. And it was really hard to find the job when you don't have any experience at mm -hmm. all. Yeah, I continued freelancing. I created some website in Belarus for um, Dodge Motors, and then not Dodge Motors. It was um, Detroit Motors, the company called Detroit Motors. Okay. And it includes three brands: Jeep, Dodge, and Chrysler. Right. So I created the website for them. And, and how did I, you how did you find that that role? Uh, again, my friend, another friend, um, found these guys and. Uh, they started their business in Belarus, mm -hmm. and they they were looking for someone who will create a website for them. Okay. And uh, I was that guy. Yeah. Where I charged one hundred dollars for each page. Okay. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again. <laughs> so uh, I worked on that website. I had some freelance projects, but I was looking for a full-time job at that time to have experience. It was really hard to find, so I started working as, as a mover. Mm -hmm just at least to have some money and just have a job. Yeah. Uh, then after that, I started working as a, I don't even know how to call it, but the guy who installs satellite balls, you know, oh, for, yeah. for the signal. Like so you can Yeah, so you can see the TV, like Netflix and everything. Not Netflix, like, yeah. it's like satellite TV. Yeah. So... That's actually what my dad did. <laughs> yeah. So I was this guy. Then I worked in the company as a print designer and okay. also cut maker, if I can say so. They got, so it means that once you created the graphic design, yeah. then they printed it, mm. um, banner or stickers. And then you are as a cut maker, <laughs> if I can say so. Okay. Uh, I cut these banners. So you can put these banners on the wall. Yeah. It means because you have all these margins and paddings and all this stuff, so you need to cut them out. Yeah. Um, I worked at this guy. Then I worked as internet marketer, mm -hmm. where I learned a little bit about SEO. That was amazing experience. Mm -hmm. Then my brother started his own e-commerce store, where he sold tools like power tools, garden tools all the stuff and I created the website for him uh, I applied all my SEO knowledge and marketing knowledge to it and it it becomes really successful from okay. the very beginning but the problem was the warehouse where we got all these tools uh, they didn't have enough products so we could sell it so we had more the demand was higher oh. than uh, this guy could give us so right. that's why it was really hard and we closed the business. Okay. Yeah. And then I found, finally, I found my very first full-time UX UI job wow. in Wargaming. Yeah. Wargaming is actually the largest company in Belarus. Okay. They have 4,000 employees across the world okay. and only two and a half, probably thousands of them work in Belarus, in Minsk, in, ca okay. in the capital. This company uh, created games like World of Tanks, World of Warship. I've, uh, I, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but um, a lot of my friends were like obsessed with World of Tanks in, oh, yeah. uh, in high school, actually. Exactly. Like <laughs> so I worked in this company um, as a UX UI designer in the service mobile applications department. Okay, what is that? So uh, we built 
um, mobile applications for these games. Okay. It was World of Tanks Assistant. It means that when you play the game, you have your own stats there. Oh, like so how have... many shots you did, how many tanks you killed, and all this stuff. Okay. And we had an assistant app that allows you to see all the statistics. Like while you're easily. playing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Not, not, not while oh. you're playing, not real time. It means that you played the game, and then all yeah. the statistics about your um, accuracy, about your movements, shots, everything was in the app. Okay. And you can see in this app how many tanks tanks you have, yeah. what's their statistics, win rate, uh, win ratio, um, okay. lots of statistics yeah. actually, yeah. lots oh. of them. I don't even remember all of them, but yeah, it was a really great experience. So we okay. built this app and then we created um, the Wargaming launched another game, World of Tanks Blitz, okay. for mobile devices, and we created the mobile assistant for them as well. Okay. World of Tanks Blitz assistant. So separate from the actual game. Yeah, so it yeah. was the more like the tools to like it, figure out how you're doing and like it, Exactly, yeah. Improve. It's like Google Analytics for your website. You have a website and then you have Google Analytics where you can see how this website performs. Okay. It's absolutely the same way. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it was a great experience because this was my very first job as a UX as a full time UX UI designer. Yeah. And I worked with great, amazing people, mm -hmm. best developers, I would say, at that time, and I, I just love it. I still love it, and I still remember that company, yeah. and I was, I was so happy to work there. And so what, uh, what drove you to leave Belarus, and uh, I guess, was, Belarus, was, was this your last job while you no. were full-time in Belarus? Oh, okay. Uh, I ha then I had another job. Um, it's called Banuba Development. And what they, is it called, sorry? Banuba. Banuba. Yeah. Okay. So they created the mobile app similar to Snapchat. Okay. So the idea was to create a mobile app where people can talk to each other and they can put some filters on their face, masks, filters, and all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, and they can talk to other people with us, like record videos with all these masks. Mm -hmm. If you know anything about Masquerade, App? Yeah. No, so it was um, it was bought by Facebook, so the Facebook started creating all these filters. Oh, and so masks these are like the face filters, and like yeah, adding yeah, all these face filters. Yeah, okay. it was at that time it was it became so popular. Yeah. So this company started doing the company where I started working started yeah. doing the same. Okay. Uh, I worked there. I had a mm, yeah great team and great salary. And at that time, even before that time, we decided that we want to move somewhere else. And in Canada, Canada has an express entry program where okay. you can immigrate absolutely legally and you can get permanent residency here. Mm -hmm. So we applied to this program. And while I worked in Banuba, we understood that, yeah, we got our visas and we can go to Canada. And we moved. Cool. Wow. The we whole moved. company moved. Yeah, not all company. I mean, I'm uh, oh. me and my wife. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, we moved here. The company <laughs> stayed there. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it happened two years ago. Okay. Then I was looking for a job here for three months. Okay. And for everyone who is looking for a job just anywhere, uh, I have a really huge piece of advice. Yes. Do make like do your research. 
when you go to the company uh, for an interview know everything about learn everything about the company where you go okay and about the people who will interview you right it's really important because when you do your research when you know more about people what they're interested in you can start talking about this one and they will be more interested in you rather than in your skills mm. and then will they will hire you much easier mostly because of that because mm. i would say that every interview like 80 percent of all the interviews um people are hired because of their personality yep rather than skills yeah personality and then a lot of the time which is unfortunate for this one but i think it's like connections so like if you know somebody in the company which kind of creates a bit of a barrier for people that are kind of new to the industry yeah um, but i like your idea of like just you know if you're really interested in working for that company which ideally you should be then yeah learn everything about it and then about their values, for example, for example, what values this company has, yeah. how many departments, how many people work there, uh, what the product you are looking for to work there. Mm -hmm. Maybe they have so many departments and you are looking for specifically one thing, like Google. Everyone wants, like almost everyone wants to work in Google, mm -hmm. but they, where do you want to work? Oh, I want to work in Google. Where exactly? Uh, I don't know, just in Google. <laughs> no, you can go f like I don't know. And they got uh, thousands of departments. Yeah, if you wanted to work apps, on YouTube, yeah. Gmail, anything, just just pick one. Yeah. And and learn everything about it. Okay. And yeah, and then of course learn like if you will be interviewed by John Smith, no, learn everything about John Smith. Mm -hmm. When when he his birthday is, mm. maybe that day when you will be interviewed, it will be his birthday. And you can tell, hey, happy birthday, actually. It, he will be shocked. He will be shocked and he yeah. will be impressed so much that even if your skills are not like the best from that scope of people who were interviewed already, mm -hmm. you will get your position. Cool. Just yeah. because of this small thing. It's, a, it's an interesting, yeah, it's, it's valuable. Yeah, you know, I took it from user experience. Okay. Because for user experience, you should do your research first. Yeah. You need to know your audience and you need to learn everything about your product. Mm. When you know everything about your product, about your target audience and about what your business want to make with this target audience having this product, in, only in this case you can create something really great. Yeah. If you don't know it, the product will be. Uh, It'll just okay. make that. It won't make yeah, sense. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And this is this will be average product, and yeah. that's exactly what you have when you when you go to the interview. If you want to be average, just be average. Just come by, answer to the question. If your skills are enough, if you look pretty well, and if your voice is not <laughs> bad, then you will be hired. Yeah. But if you really want to be, even if you want to have better salary just mm. do your research yeah be confident do your research ask for a little bit more money that you want to ask and you will get and make it clear that i guess like the value of that is that you know their business right you exactly, already know yeah. you already know everything about it. you don't need to go through all the onboarding process yeah. and for companies it's more valuable and for me what i've always found in in kind of that similar vein is like Think about very, very, very in much the detail, like what you expect to get out of it, 
in like that experience and what you'd expect to deliver, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, if if you can frame, like if you're constantly talking about things that you can do or that you'd like to do that would really improve the company and that is in line with their current goals, I'm sure that that's going to help you um, to come across as like, you know, somebody that they absolutely need to have as opposed to just somebody that, you know, we could hire them if we want to. Yeah. Um, for sure. Makes it's, you valuable, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all about what makes you valuable. Yeah. Maybe you are an interested person to talk with. Mm -hmm. Also, you create great uh, designs or maybe you are a great uh, like React developer mm -hmm. and they will see, oh my God, he's a great UL uh, like, uh, React developer. Then he has some knowledge in design. Also, he knows how to test some stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we go too far <laughs> with it. But anyway, <laughs> if you will bring more value to the company, yeah. they will be more than happy to hire you. Yeah, if you keep piling too much on, I feel like eventually you're going to basically be selling yourself as an entire department. And no one... People do... I think that being a generalist absolutely helps with, with any, any position, right? Absolutely, because yeah. Uh, the only difference between... Just to keep in mind about talking about generalists or specialists mm -hmm. is... Uh, I really like this uh, image that I saw just recently, where generalist, being a generalist is what you what makes you interesting. Mm -hmm. Being a specialist is what makes you um, expert. Right. So that's why it's it's really great in my opinion to be generalist, but be being a specialist in one particular field. Right. For example, I'm interested in lots of stuff, but. Mm, my area of expertise is mostly in design and mm -hmm. mostly in UX, UI design and psychology, mm -hmm. including psychology that includes marketing. Right. So I'm working in this field. Yeah, I know motion design. I know how to create animations. I know how to uh, create logos, but this is not my areas of expertise. Right. I can create great animation, mm -hmm. but I know that some motion designers can create even much better. And I don't want to go to this field because... Yeah, this is their area of expertise. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. But if someone will ask me about motion design, I can talk about it. Which is good because yeah. then when you're talking to that expert motion designer, you can learn from them and you can Absolutely. collaborate better with yeah. them because you kind of have at least some idea of how their job gets done. Yeah. And <clears throat> you might not have the, I, I don't like the word talent necessarily, but you know that that's same level of skill as them. But you at least understand the space, and therefore you know you kind of have like something useful to say or uh, I guess useful to contribute to a conversation <laughs> oh yeah absolutely um, so. yeah so then I guess uh, when you came to Canada the first time so this would have been when you applied at Tribal Scale or yeah my very first job here in Canada was Tribal Scale and yeah. because I did my research and so yeah I learned a lot about the person who will interview me mm -hmm. So I started doing all this stuff and I had actually around like five interviews in Tribal Scale. Wow. Yeah, with everyone yeah. in our department. And yeah, I got this job and I was happy to have it. Yeah. To have it. yeah, it's a great company where I learned a lot of stuff about mm -hmm. uh, business in Canada and, uh, and about working in an agency mm -hmm. because this was my first experience working in an agency. Yeah. All the companies where I worked before, they were product companies. Right. Wargaming created these games. Mm -hmm. Bonobo created app. Here, we were working on different services and mobile apps and websites. So 
that's an agency experience. Mm-hmm. It was valuable. And I met a lot of people. Yeah. Interesting people like you, like Paige, like Aurelia, like Andrea, Kevin. So yeah. <laughs> no, so many. So I just... Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what I hear from everyone <clears throat> is that it was an awesome learning experience and, you know, like everyone's extremely happy with the connections that they made and everyone still seems very close and willing to collaborate on yeah. future stuff, which is just super awesome to have. It almost feels like uh, like you're kind of like an alumni of some group, you know. I, I'm not sure what what it would be like, but yeah, I guess the closest thing I have to relate to it is like, I guess university maybe. Like people tend to like stick oh, with yeah. their. I would say group. yeah, that's a really great um, comparison here because when you study at the university and you have like projects in a group, mm-hmm. that's exactly what you have in like agency. Mm-hmm. And especially like tribal scale. Yeah. So, for example, you have a year in the university, mm-hmm. and you like study with other students there. And sometimes you have different projects mm-hmm. to to work together on these projects. Yeah. So, and that's exactly what you have. You have a project, mm-hmm. build a website for this company, and you sit together and you start working, creating a really great like. Um, design development then you discuss all this stuff together mm-hmm. and then as a final version you launch the project and the client is happy which is like can be your teacher mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> he's happy about that and you're happy as well yeah. and you jump to another project yeah and that's actually like for me at least that's that's what i really love about the agency sort of work is you you can learn a lot very quickly because you're working on a variety of different projects like I think I was there for a little over a year and a half, and uh, eight year, uh, closer, close to two years. But um, in that time, like I, I worked in every single side of the business. I think you did too. Um, yeah. You you were on the Venture Studios team for a period of time. Yeah, like two months. But anyway, that was. But still, experience. like yeah. I think you developed like some of our products, like pretty much from the like from the ground up for the most part yeah some of the projects were done like from absolute scratch so they just have an idea Mm -hmm. and then we build this product and they were happy about that yeah and uh and the client side of things is obviously very different but you know different goals different perspectives but it's still you can learn quite a bit from just just engaging with them and then selling them on like well maybe uh, our current approach isn't the right way to go about it. Like we could improve the product by doing some user research beforehand. Absolutely, yeah. And also, what I liked about Service Site is that we had a variety of projects. Uh, like the, I like the diversity of projects. Mm-hmm. So we built mobile apps, we built websites, we built OTT apps mm-hmm. for TV. Uh, we what else? Voice UI. Voice UI was a big one. Yeah. Um, so lots, lots of projects, and that was amazing, of yeah. course. For me, I actually really enjoyed getting into like the DevOps side of things, which is a bit outside of. I don't know how much design really plays into DevOps because, well, I mean, the the tools are designed by someone, but I think at that point it's kind of a bit too. It's just uh, it's all it's all nitty gritty on the back end sort of stuff, I guess. But um, for me, yeah, like I I love that experience of kind of being able to work on that for four months and kind of call myself. I wouldn't call myself an expert in that in particular, but I would definitely say that I learned a lot about the ecosystem. Yeah. And then as a result, like now I can bring that into anything else I do. And we implemented a solution from scratch. And and like working on like voice UI is, is just so different from 
Oh, so, so different. And what's interesting, voice UI, it's called voice UI, voice user interface. Yeah. But it means that your interface is driven by voice. Yeah. And basically it consists only in uh, um, information architecture. Which is interesting. So that's almost yeah. voice UX, right? It's vo yeah, actually it's voice UX, which is much better word for that. Only it's voice UI only if you will put it on paper or yeah. like on the on your screen. When you build all these blocks, what well, if the user will say this, then the reaction will be this. Mm -hmm. If we have an error state, then it will be this. So mm -hmm. if you'll create all this this flow and chart, then it's user interface. But basically it's all about user experience. Yeah. And I, I think that there's like a huge uh, like a lot of room for the ecosystem for like UI, like voice, voice UX, voice UI, to develop a lot more. Um, like, I think that we need, like, I think, like, better standards around things. So, you know, things should be normalized. And, like, it, eventually, like, I would, I would hope that you could pretty much use, like, voice, like, a voice device to just navigate the web, basically, right? Yeah. Because if we can, like, figure out a way to, like, consume these information hierarchies in a, in a way that works with voice... It could be possible, maybe. One day. Yeah, or, or it can change even the whole industry of how we consume the information mm -hmm. from web. Maybe it will be not from web, it will be from our mobile devices or other devices like Google Home, for example. Yeah. And can you imagine when you, as you said, what if this will be not a website mm -hmm. that you can understand and interact with? through your voice but can you imagine if the everything that you need will be driven by voice what I'm what I'm uh, trying to say is that for example you have a website and you have like five items of navigation there and then you have hero image and CDA button and then text and everything what if you'll go to this website from like using your voice mm -hmm. and you will just tell hey what this website is about and will yeah. oh we are selling garden tools. Uh, can you tell me more about this stuff? Yeah, this we have, this, this, this for this price. Mm -hmm. Oh, I want to get this. Sure, here it is. Uh, I want to buy it. Done. Yeah. Where you want to deliver it. And, and that's it. So yeah. basically, this is the website. This is not like the app that you created. This is the website. Mm -hmm. But you got everything that you need just using your voice and i would almost think that well so like to us that's the future for uh people using accessibility devices that's kind of the present that's <laughs> i would say that's not the present for them even or yeah, ideally this is, this is what it should be like exactly for them. yeah this is what should be right now for yeah. them in my opinion for example now when people use these um voice uh, not voice uh, what it called screen readers yes screen reader reads the screen Mm -hmm. But what if I don't want to read the screen? I want a one specific piece of information on this on this website. Yeah. And if I can just make a request, what I'm looking for, and the website will give me this information, mm -hmm. then I don't need to go through all these heroes, sections, information, images, alt text, and everything. Yeah. What if I just want to subscribe to this mm -hmm. uh, website? Or even like, you know, if you go to a, any given page, like say you, we were talking about, say if a website just sold microphones, yeah. and you go to this website, how do you find the option? Especially if there's like, you know, 
20 sections of content on there. Yeah, and, and inside of, the... its section, of each section, you have thousands of products. Yeah. And each product has their own specifications, like you have this one particular mic. Okay, yeah, I have this model, amazing. And then you have three options. Yeah. It can be with a handstand, it can be with a, like different color of it, all this stuff. Yeah. Damn, I don't know. I need just mic for the podcast. Yeah. I need a really good mic for the podcast. Then it gives you some options. And do you want to pick color? No, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Something like that, you know? Which I almost feel like that's kind of a... So there's, there's two ways to think about it, right? Because you could have a generalist site where you're just selling mics. And so if you're doing it that way and it's like, oh, these mics look really cool, yeah. then maybe that's kind of your niche. And then maybe at that point... You, you don't need... You're not yeah. focused on that. Yeah, but yeah. like, I almost think of it as like, you know... There, sh- there could just be a site that's just awesome podcasting mics, you know? Yeah. And, and so, like, it, it almost opens up, like, thinking about accessibility makes it easier for people to kind of open up different venues to consider, like, niche products. Because yeah. accessibility is not, unfortunately, not across the board. People don't always build for it. Absolutely. And if you can meet it, then you're kind of creating, like, one or two resources that people can use. I'm sure Amazon.ca it makes a lot of effort to be accessible, I assume. Oh, for sure, yeah. I, I hope they will do that because yeah. that's the biggest, I would say, trend for the next decade. Yeah. And uh, I would say that I'm a Google fan, like, and I use Android phone. Yeah. I love it a lot, but I really like the idea that Apple has mm-hmm. where they have only like five products and that's it. Mm. You have some options inside. Yeah. But basically, if you need a computer, I need a... Okay, I need a laptop. You go, just MacBook. Yeah. That's it. There are no options here. Oh, I need a desktop computer, iMac, or Mac Pro. What do you need it for? I need for basic stuff, iMac. Right. Okay. Uh, Yeah, so uh, what I'm trying to say is that you have just five sections. Yeah. Inside of each of them, you have products that you need. That's it. That's it. What you need, and I would say this is a really great example of the website, not the website, like of the stra- like product strategy based on accessibility. I'm pretty sure right. they didn't think about it when they developed that approach. Yeah, this was mostly like a business approach mm. that you don't need so many options because there is a paradox of choice. You know, like. Uh, but in this case, you just you just have five products. Yeah. Pick one of them, and that's it. You're done. You mm-hmm. solve your problem. Right. And like, if you build too many options, people might get confused and not want. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. Um, so I guess we were going to talk about accessibility. So I'd love to kind of dig into how you think about accessibility. How do you design for it? And then how do you keep developers in line with that design. So if I'm implementing your design, that's a, presumably uh, you know built around accessibility and, yeah. and cons- like ease of use. Um, how would you? How would I, as a developer, make sure that I'm matching that? And like, what kind of questions do I need to ask you, or how do we convey uh, the information needed to kind of implement that? How do you think about that? Uh, so yeah, uh, talking about building websites or mobile apps for accessibility, it's all about, first of all, it's about contrast and also it's about information because we have 
mostly we have two main uh, types of disabilities or like yeah disabilities I would say it's uh, cognitive issues and visual issues mm. and in this case uh, when you build something for that it's all about contrast and also about well structure of information mm -hmm. so uh, when we are talking about bringing this to developers it means that the contrast of each element on your website should be aligned according to the accessibility WCAG uh, standards yeah yeah all this stuff and um, the developer should should get this from the designer without doing any uh, anything else mm -hmm. but what you should ask designer for example if the designer gave you like images then you should ask about alt text alternative text mm -hmm. and also if the designer gave you the website or mobile app with carousels how the user should interact with these carousels because sometimes uh, you can have 20 items inside of the carousel yeah and some people when they build the website for screen readers you go through each of these items inside of the carousel before you can get onto the rest of the content exactly before you go to the next section but what if you can skip this whole carousel mm -hmm. or what if you are already on the 10th item in this carousel and you want to skip it you mm -hmm. should be able to do that. So, yeah, the main things are about structure and contrast. And right. contrast should be designed by designer. Mm -hmm. And the structure should be explained by designer to developer as well. Cool. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really like that. Uh, like what you're saying about basically it should be included in the design. Right? Yeah. Like you shouldn't necessarily need to guess. Um, Absolutely not. So developers should just build the uh, build what designer created, mm -hmm. and designer should design it this way that it will be accessible. So one thing that I have recently encountered, kind of working on a website that is supposed to be rather accessible, it has a certain level of accessibility auditing, and it's built on like a design library. Um, so one of the things that we encountered was, uh, and it, I think it makes sense that designers would sometimes want to do this, but you have your fixed set of typography, and then when you're going onto the page, uh, you know you want to emphasize a certain area of the page, but it might not necessarily be the heading, right? So yeah. headings in in HTML, H1, H2, H3, H4, like it actually denotes like the importance of a section, yeah. right? Absolutely. And so when you're navigating the page, it's going to navigate based on like H1s first. And then if you want to delve in, you're going to go to H, the next H2 or your right. content, whatever. And um, from SEO perspective, it should be only one H1 on the page. Ah, yes, exactly. So that's very important to know. Um, so when you're designing your styles for your typography, do you think that that typography should be bound to the level of yes. the header tag? Absolutely. Absolutely. In my opinion, yeah, when you design a... When you create a design system, mm -hmm. it shouldn't be just the typography like based on the size mm. it should be the typography based on this structure of the website mm. h1 should be this h2 should be this h3 so all the sizes should be defined in the design system mm -hmm. but also additionally to that for example what i realized for example you have a h1 size let's imagine uh 48 points yeah and then you have another section on this page with 
you want to like highlight this section, yeah. uh, this text, and it's also 48 points. And what usually developers do and designers don't care about that, they just put H1 style to this one. Yep. But it's wrong. You should create another section, uh, another item in your design system mm. that will be called, for example, title or highlighted title, highlighted text yeah. with exactly probably the same style but in this case it will be paragraph instead of h1 that's an interesting one because yeah. yeah so that's actually the exact issue that we had where um so we you know we'd want to be able to reuse styles and yeah. developers obviously built this design system and, and built the typography around what the designers had already put into a typography file yeah. but the typography file kind of laid it out as if oh h1 is this style h2 is this style h3 and you know, obviously there's a lot of stuff that can happen in, in typography. You know, sometimes you want to emphasize a section, but you don't want to change the color. Sometimes yeah. you want to change it so that it can appear, uh, I don't know, anywhere else on the page. And so what ended up happening was uh, through our design system, the H1, H2, H3 are bound to specific styling. And so what we found was eventually we got to a point where a designer designed a page that had two H, what, what looks like an H1 tag, yeah. and it has it twice or three times on a page. And, um, and so we didn't have that option, I guess, initially or at the time to just, okay, we'll just pick these styles. So I guess the reason I was asking the question is because I'm curious how you'd think about that, where... Uh, what I think is that what we came up with as a solution as engineers is we said we wanted to split those styles out from the actual tag themselves and just apply them as like helper classes or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. How I would do that yeah. is I would have just one H1 on the page. Mm -hmm. I'll create a separate class like mm, paragraph class title. Mm -hmm. And it means that it will have absolutely the same style as H1, yeah. but from the information architecture point of view, it will be paragraph. Yeah. So yeah, it should be like that. And I would say this is the power of being a generalist. Yeah. When you learn a little bit more about other stuff, like I know this from SEO perspective. Mm. My wife is SEO expert. Yeah. I know a lot of, about SEO from her. Mm -hmm. And that's why on the page should be only one H1. Yeah, and because that's the content that should appear on your search result because exactly, that's the actual yeah. content of because the page. Because H1 tells the search engine what this page is about, first mm -hmm. of all. This is your main piece of information on the website. Yeah. And when you have like several main pieces of information on the website, so then what this page is about mm -hmm. for the search engine. Yeah. It doesn't know. And would it just concatenate all those together and say like, okay, I have one title that says blog and the second one says uh, uh, my story traveling or whatever. And they yeah. both happen to take the same style. There's two H1 tags for some reason. Yeah. Um, does it take both of those and put them together or does it just get confused and pick the first or do you know? Do you have to know? Pick that one that describes the page best. Right. So, for example, if you have a page that talks about, again, mics, mm -hmm. and this page is all about mm, this specific mic, mm -hmm. but then you have a section like blog posts about this mic, mm -hmm. and sometimes people can create uh, the H1 that describes this mic, mm -hmm. and then they put H1 for blog post about this mic. Right. 
So in this case, H1 should be only about the mic, while blog post should be H2, right? Or at least paragraph with a title style mm. that explains blog post. Interesting. And then, are there limitations to the number of like H2 tags you can have? I know. No. No. Okay. H1 should be one. Currently, now what I realized, like my wife told me recently, that. Mm. It doesn't care so much that search engines don't care so much about uh, H1 anymore. Mm -hmm. Mostly because the artificial intelligence understand everything from uh, like from the content that you have on the page. Because sometimes you can put H1 about this, but the content will won't be about this information that you put into H1. Right. So it doesn't care how many H1s you have on the page. If your page is doesn't talk about this stuff. So that's why that's uh, something new, but still, you should, your H1, at least in my opinion, H1 should be only about one topic and your content should be about this topic. Yeah. I, I think it even like, like, yes, maybe, so that maybe the SEO considerations become less important. I still think that they'll always be somewhat important. I'm sure that they care at least to a degree about proper page design, but yeah. even then it's, for me, it's the it's the value of being able to like have a screen reader or something go through and navigate the site yeah, effectively. For sure. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure how exactly that plays in. I I, I really almost want to spend more time uh, browsing sites with a screen reader just to get used to the tools. Yeah. But it, it knowing the sites that I go to, I'm almost like it it would be so difficult to navigate, which is maybe a good thing to know. Yeah. But you know. You know how to improve this stuff. Yeah. You can learn lots of them, uh, lots of it, just by using screen readers. Yeah, so maybe it's a great, great option to do. Actually, I think that that would be useful. So yeah, I, I think yeah, it's a huge. I said it's trend, but it's not trend. It's uh, it's something that we need. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, kind of getting towards time, I think soon. So, is there anything that you wanted to? Uh, talk about, bring up that is very interesting to you right now, or anything you're really interested in. I, actually, I guess we could talk maybe for a bit about the uh, your Instagram uh, content production because I, I love that. Like I, I started following like anytime you post on Instagram, I'm I'm definitely checking out the the, the story or whatever. Thank you. Because uh, it's really cool designs and uh, and it's it's useful kind of like advice. So you're kind of getting to like teaching people. Um, is there anything that you'd want to bring up around that sort of stuff? Or? Uh, yeah, there are some thoughts that I can share, actually. Yeah. So, uh, I always wanted to to have a... I always wanted to become an influencer. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, being an influencer doesn't mean that you have lots of followers. Mm -hmm. It means that you can help people to grow. Yeah. This is what, in my opinion, being an influencer. Yes. And uh, I wanted to have this Instagram account maybe since 2012 or 13 but I was so afraid because all the people around me told that oh you will become a blogger you want to be a blogger it was so I, I feel really shy because of that and I right. didn't create my account till maybe 2015 or even 16 okay. so then I launched my personal account mm -hmm. and at that time it was just only about me I didn't know what blogging is I just just created this page where I shared information about where I travel somewhere and all this stuff. Yeah. And then 
I realized actually that I know a lot about design mm -hmm. and I want to tell about design to people. Yeah. And I always wanted to teach people. So even going back to travel scale, I taught other designers how to do this or that, how mm -hmm. to create motion design um, and all these kind of things. I loved it a lot and I decided why not to try to share it with, uh, with people through Instagram. So mm -hmm. I created another page, uh, alexanderhess.design and I started sharing the, my tutorials about how to create this or that. Um, I started with a soft UI, mm -hmm. neomorphism, that's called now. Uh, people talk a lot about that, that is like a bringing skeuomorphism back as a trend. Right. So, what can you describe skeuomorphism and newmorphism? So, yeah. Um, last years, we see lots of things made with material design in mind and flat design. Mm -hmm. I really love these two styles more than skeuomorphism. But back to 2010, when just first apps appeared on the screens, uh, all the icons were designed the way how we see them in the real world mm -hmm. you see shadows you see lights you see uh like you see volume mm -hmm. it's like 3d components and because it was lots of information per just one icon so people started switching to flat design and material design which is much more easier to consume mm -hmm. but nowadays uh, more and more like because the fashion always get back yeah so in this case, uh, the new style comes back. It's called neomorphism, which is basically like like a mix between skeuomorphism and flat design. It means that we see here shadows and lights. We see a little bit of volume, but at the same time, um, it's not as 3D as skeuomorphism mm -hmm. in back to 2010. But at the same time, it's not a flat design anymore as like Windows style or right. uh, Apple style. All so stuff. I guess you're using like the, the, the shadows and the drop downs or drop, uh, what am I thinking? Drop, like background, like drop shadow, whatever, to kind of like show that this thing is clickable. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah when you, you put like, um, let's imagine you have a background and then something appears out of this background. So it's like one component. Mm -hmm. where the cut appears from the from the background and in this case you will see that it, it will give a little bit of volume to this item to the, this new item and you will see the light on the top left corner mm -hmm. and the shadow on the top right corner mm. and lots of people talk about accessibility uh, accessibility component of this uh, of the style I would say it depends on what you will put on top of it because this is just a background or mm -hmm. this is just an image. Right. It's like anything else. The most important is what you put on top of it. If it will have enough contrast, then it will be absolutely accessible. If you design a button and if you have text on this button, this is where accessibility is. It's not about the um, background itself. Mm -hmm. It's about the message that you put on top of this button. Oh, interesting. Okay. So yeah, and yeah, I started with this one and because at that time it was uh, like, I started actually two months ago. Yeah. And what's funny at that time I had 191 followers. Yeah. And today I have 44K. Wow. 
Wow. And just in two months, it was so crazy because I started applying all the stuff that I learned from different courses that I took. Yeah. Also, I applied some stuff from some knowledge from SEO. And of course, I started interacting with other people. I started applying techniques that Gary Vee uh, shares in his videos and uh, posts. So I did all this stuff. And because of that, my account like grew really fast yeah. and it's continue growing. That's amazing. That I really love. And most people, and yeah, mostly I create these uh, tutorials for designers. And most of the people started doing tutorials thinking that, oh, this is what brought me so many followers. Yeah. But no, what brought me so many followers is my passion. I always wanted to teach people and I always want to know how this or that thing is designed. Yeah. And I started sharing to people my passion. And because of that, people started following me. Mm-hmm. And when build, like teaching other people or creating tutorials or showing how this or that was designed is not your passion, then you won't grow so fast. Okay. If you want to grow, first of all, find your passion. Yeah. In this case, it will be much easier for you to create content. Absolutely. Some yeah, people start sense. copying yeah. styles like, oh, he started creating tutorials. I want to have so many followers as well and I will start creating tutorials as well yeah and then you created like two four okay ten tutorials and then you don't know how to create them anymore because this is not your passion you get bored and that's it mm. and you start losing your followers right okay so yeah that makes sense because like you, I mean yeah if you're not going to be passionate about it or if you're not if you don't care about it then you're probably not going to continue to produce absolutely as yeah much. and all the social networks are all about being social. Mm-hmm. When you post something uh, on social network, uh, it should be something valuable to other people. Or at least it should be your thoughts. And maybe you'll find someone who will find value in this post. Mm. Uh, what's important for social network is what I realized. You should show who you are. Mm-hmm. You should show your, your photo. You should show your name. Uh, you should tell a bit in the bio about yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, you should show what you're interested in and you will find the same people who are interested in the same stuff. Yeah. And it's pretty easy. It's like in life. When you go to the company to walk to another company, uh, you see other developers and of course you can sit and start talking about different stuff that no one cares about. Yeah. But once you can once you come by to another developer and you will start discussing, for example, React uh, and design systems, mm-hmm. how build design system in React, yeah. all this stuff, this is where you found some points of interest and you become followers to each other. Right, yeah. So it's, it's like sharing your passion and then eventually people like work together or become more interested. Like people, people are like, going to naturally be interested in what they're interested in, I guess. Absolutely. And for example, there is another junior design uh, developer in your team mm. who who was just sitting near you and he's like, oh my God, this guy knows about uh, how build design system in React. Mm. I want to know how to do that. I will follow him so I will learn as well how to do that. Right. And this is, this is real life. Yeah. And if you want to have a really lots of followers on your Instagram or LinkedIn or Twitter and just anywhere, just become an interesting person. Hmm. And the easiest like way that. to become an interesting person is just to share what you're interested in. Yeah. 
and show your face always because some people are afraid. I was so afraid to show my face. I was so, so shy. <laughs> I'm bold guy and I don't know, my English is not perfect. Uh, so many stuff. I yeah. was so scared to bring all this to people. But then I realized actually why I'm not scared when I go to the store. Everyone see me. Yeah. And they see me as I'm bald guy. Uh, I have almost no hair on my head. And this is my, these are all the mistakes that I make in English even now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so all this stuff, this is me. If you're not interested in me, that's fine. Yeah. But I will still be the same person. So this is still me. Uh, of course, I will continue improving my English because this is not my first language. Uh, I will continue build designs. I can't bring back my hair, but <laughs> <laughs> so I will continue <laughs> shaving. But what I'm trying to say that this is you in your real life. Why are you shy to show it in, in social? Yeah, because these uh, it's absolutely the same, but just online. I do like that. I, I find that um, for me, especially, like I'm trying to figure out this whole social media stuff. Obviously, with this podcast, is a certain attempt to do that. Um, and for me, I think a lot of my passion has always just kind of been around, like talking to people and kind of hearing, learning from people and and from different venues and whatever. Yeah. And so I think like that's kind of where hopefully this will play into that sort of thing where. You know, I get to talk to people like you who, like, inspire me and who I get to, like, you know, see from the sidelines. But, you know, it's, a, it's an excuse to hang out with you. And it's also, like, a great chance to kind of, like, pick your brain and kind of hear more about your thoughts. And Yeah, this is what I, what I like about, actually, social networks. Yeah. And, yeah, most of the social networks that I'm here now with mm -hmm. you. So yeah. you invited me. I'm grateful for that, that I can be now with you, interact with you, talk about different stuff. So people will listen to us and will learn something new for them. Yeah. This is so amazing. This is about social. This is, can you imagine, this is, we just created social network. Just right now. Me, you, and all these listeners. Mm -hmm. This is a small social network. Right. I, I didn't say that this is online social network. This is social network in general. Right. Okay. I see what you mean. You're not saying like, oh, social network is like, it's not a Facebook. It's yeah, a yeah. network of it's network people of people who get social <laughs> so for example if you're somewhere in australia now we're in canada uh, we created this connection yeah we created this network of us and that guy who is in australia for example right now right and then one day you know who knows uh, he, he will come here or we'll go to australia and yeah. we'll meet this guy and was like oh my god this is you oh yeah, yeah. this is about being social i actually really love that i think yeah. that's like that's that's amazing. That's like, that's that's the highlight of. It. I'm gonna put that in the in the tagline of this oh, for sure. sure. Creating yeah. social networks in real life. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> because this is how, for example, when we grow, we have some friends. Yeah. And these friends are our social network. Mm -hmm. Then um, we are students, and we have other students that become our friends. Yeah. This social network. Then we go for, um, we start working somewhere. And all the people around us are our social network. Mm -hmm. And we follow each other if we are interested in, in each other. Yeah. And if you when you go online, the same people follow you. Mm. But online, you have much more people because now you are not limited by this um, job area. Now you are not limited 
um, by this city, mm-hmm. the whole world is yours. And if you're interested to other people, yeah, they will follow you. Yeah. That's, that's what I realized that just bring your passion online yeah. and don't be afraid to show who you are. Love that. And uh, so one of the, uh, I guess, the questions that I, I kind of want to make a common theme is to ask you kind of like, if you were to start over or if you were to talk to somebody and give advice to somebody, you're, you're, you know, somebody coming from wherever you started. So basically, you know, maybe somebody who's in university, isn't sure about what they want to do, but they think they want to get into design or somebody who's just graduated and interested in getting into design. Um, what sort of advice would you give them to get started? And I almost feel like what you just said is kind of like a perfect way of doing it. Yeah. So um, yeah. Uh, the biggest advice that I would give to myself even back to 2008, for example, mm-hmm. man, just enjoy your life. Mm. No matter what. So many bad things happened in my life. Mm-hmm. Like um, I was in the car accident and I stayed alive. I worked as a mover. Um, I, I lost some of my friends. Uh, I f- worked on really bad projects. But mm-hmm. these, all, these all things brought me to the point where I am right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm grateful for everything. So that's why like my biggest advice would be just just be grateful for everything that you have mm-hmm. because one day you will become you will become a great person mm-hmm. um, if you will just follow your gut and if you will find your passion and moreover just one thing really important thing to all this stuff is be confident. Mm-hmm alone what does it mean to be confident it it changes everything really the easiest way to be confident stop thinking of what other people think about you don't be afraid of that live your life get lessons from it and don't be afraid of showing who you are yeah that's awesome. So yeah, that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> Actually, I just realized, but that's, yeah, I mean, find your passion, be confident, awesome. and be grateful for what you have. That's brilliant. I love that. Yeah. Thanks okay. a lot. Thank you. Um, okay, and so I guess we'll give this a close. Um, is there anything you want to shout out, like promote, maybe your company that you're working at right with right now, or something, your Instagram channel? Um, um, so yeah, just if you're interested in design, how to build, I don't know, neomorphism or how to create um, stuff for material design, just any kind of design, yeah, you can just follow me on Instagram. I will be happy to answer to all your questions. Yeah. And follow Matthew Weeks. So <laughs> he will give you lots of interesting information, talking with other great people. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I'll be sure to share uh, links to the all, all your social media stuff in Amazing. the uh, in the show notes so people can see it. Because I think it'd be great if people follow you. I think uh, the even just seeing how he writes his tutorials and how he he makes his content, you can tell that he's like really passionate about it. And that, like he said, you know, it's about giving back. So he shares a lot of people's stuff. And um, yeah, I, yeah, I think there's a lot in there. 
Okay. And with that, uh, this has been a work in progress. Oh, wait, that doesn't make sense. Anyways, over and out. Yeah, bye, guys. <laughs>